This is Vic from your friendly neighborhood show. Chew on this, a Nerd United podcast. If you like what you've been hearing, please follow us and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. On Facebook, it's at Chew on This Podcast. And on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Chew on This Pod. We're active on all three social media sites. And it's not just podcast episode announcements, but it's also memes, nerd news, and any special events the show might be at. Now light some candles, pour a glass of wine, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Yeah, and I'm so I, I apologize. My schedule's been crazy. Uh, it's fine. You, it's you, fine don't, you, you can, don't need to apologize. <laughs> it's ours fine is if, not. You can, uh, <laughs> if you can tell us uh, if you can tell us what happens in season five. Yeah, yeah. no, that's that's still, forgiven. that is still up in the air. <laughs> so I, I can't. Um, yeah, can't tell you. Can't tell. All right, you, I don't even know. So all right. Well, if you can't give us spoilers for that, give us spoilers for Shang Chi. Because I know you've been asking. <laughs> hey, man, I, again, all I know is uh, they, they've shut down production. I, I yeah, I know. And uh, they're about to ramp up again, though. Apparently, they're they're aiming for, I believe, a July start, restart. Yeah. Um, oh, and wow. Because they've, they've pretty much flatlined it in Australia. I mean, it helps that it's an island. And, they, you know, once they <laughs> shut everything down, they can eradicate everything. So now it, uh, I think it is about just sort of getting the machine up and running again and getting the creatives back over and going. Um, but they're they're far ahead of us in terms of production abilities. Uh, I know in Ontario here up in Canada, they're still working on protocols for when we're allowed to go back to work. Uh, but in the meantime, the producers are looking at every other production company in the world that is allowed to start filming right now and, and trying to learn the lessons from them, little hacks and shortcuts that they can apply to us. So when we get back to work, it'll be... Um, we won't make the same mistakes because inevitably, I think that's going to happen. Somebody's right. going to mess up, yeah, and, and they're we'll going to have to go. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, you have, to, you have to start at that baseline of yeah. logic, and that's basically what the Australians did. You yeah. know, everybody was like, "Wear a mask; it'll get better sooner than later." Oh, okay. I'll listen to the experts. Right, <laughs> that's, that's not happening here. So. Uh, yeah, I hear like it's some scary stuff, like stuff out of Florida where people are saying God gave us lungs to breathe, and so why would we cover up our mouths to stop that? And it's like, well, masks don't stop you from breathing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm sorry, is that what you say to firefighters who have to go into a burning house? It's like yeah. God gave you lungs to breathe, so why would you put oxygen? Like, no, because it it it'll save your life. Yeah. Like, that's literally the simplest form is it can save you, and more so, I think it's that perspective shift. You will save others from yeah. yourself because yeah, a mask on the mask itself, yeah, that's that's the perception is I'm weak because I'm wearing a mask. No, no, you you're strong because you're wearing a mask because right. you're protecting others from you potentially because you could have yeah. it and not know. That's so true. So that's it's exactly it. it. Yeah, because like in, in, inadvertently, it's more them kind of saying not even about the well, they, they're revealing a lot about themselves that like say I don't give a shit about the next person. That's really mm-hmm. scary. Yeah. But sadly, that's the bottom line. But they hide it behind religion or 
Lost they try freedom. to justify it. They yeah. try to justify it a little bit, but yeah. I mean, it sucks. I mean, I make my kids wear it, and I rarely ever take them out. But if I do, the rules are: you stay by me. Yeah. You don't touch anything. Yeah. Keep your mask on. Um, yeah. stuff like that. Otherwise, we're leaving. So yeah. I don't yeah. know. It doesn't make any sense. Dad, but- they have to stop licking everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the terrible thing about yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can't wait to start post. licking things again. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Stop licking things. You would think that would be enough. It's like no, that that's just a standard rule for every time. Like for every, every standard, for all the time. <laughs> yeah, don't lick the posts. Stop it. <laughs> Not even to, you know, do a scene from Christmas Story. Don't lick the post. <laughs> Dumb and dumber. Oh my god, yeah. Alright. <clears throat> well, Vic, do you want to do the, uh, the yeah, intro? Yeah. Um, I still, to this day, Paul, I don't know if you've listened to any of our shows or anything like that. Probably not, because you agreed to come on. (laughs) 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 But we can, I'm always amazed at the people that I can bring on to the show and talk to. Um, We've talked to people that I never would have talked, thought I'd even be able to talk to over social media four years ago. And this is, this interview right here is crazy for me because I came into Kim's Convenience late because I'm in the States and I only saw it through a recommendation of a friend for Netflix. Said it was really good. You have to watch it. And I'm like, okay. And then of course I actually did go back to watch it just so I could see what Simu was like because he was announced as Shang-Chi. So I thought, let me see what this guy can do. Right. I ended up binging three seasons, I think in two weeks. Wow. Um, and so I started trying to like talk about him because we talk about nerdy stuff and Marvel and all that stuff. And then I ended up loving, uh, you and Jean's character, the Appa and Oma, like they were my favorite characters. And I I kept telling BJ, I'm like, you got to watch this show. This, I mean, don't even watch it for Simu. Like watch it for this guy. Cause this guy's cause I'm Asian obviously. (laughs) And I, you know, I'm Chinese, not Korean, but there's like, there's like a parallel to the way that, you know, the Asians kind of act in a certain way. You know, they, everybody has that saying, uh, like you, you say stop, which is hysterical. I think my dad said something completely different, but it was, it was that version of it. It was that version of it. Yeah. So it was like, it was really awesome to see that. And the show had it not been known that it was in Canada, you could have thought it was anywhere in the United States. Like it's universal, that show. Right. And especially more so it, yes, it's a family show, but to see like Asians on screen for me was huge. Anyway, I, 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 I that wasn't even an intro. I'm just telling you that I can't believe you got on the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we absolutely love the show and I'm obviously I'm not Chinese. I'm, I'm Persian, but, and, and we have, some representation on TV that I don't really like to watch half the time, yeah. but, uh, but he, he, he turned me on to that show and I'm, I'm pretty leery about certain things, you know, that I watch. And, uh, but this show, I've never seen anything like, I mean, I, I used to love the Bill Cosby show. And, I mean, now I don't really watch that, but, uh, for, because of the, the, the family orientation, the, the heart of it, I mean, it's, it's hysterical, the show, first of all, but uh at the center of it is like this this big uh this heart and there's like emotion there and i i think that's why i love the show so much cuz like 
I love stuff like The Office and Parks and Rec, and those are great for what they are. But even in those shows, when they do have like an episode or like one scene where there's like a little bit of heart or some emotion, it's like, oh, like it kind of transcends the sitcom. Right. It's like even better. So I, I, so this show just blew, it blew my mind. I absolutely loved it. And, and now we're sitting here waiting for season five, which is going to be like forever. <laughs> but this is even better than season five having you. Oh, here. man. Thank you so much. Um, guys, honestly, it's, it's so funny because uh, I, I came to this kind of success in my career really late uh, in my life. Mm. I mean, I've been, I've been slugging it out since I think my first year as a pro uh, professional actor where I made the full jump into like, I'm just, I'm going to be an actor. I'm not going to work another job. I'm just going to be an actor. It was like back in 95. And so I've been, I've been grinding it out a lot. And, you know, <laughs> as you might, as you might realize as well, the, you know, there aren't enough, there weren't a lot of great Asian roles available to me. And especially since I was losing my hair at the time. <laughs> and so I was way too old looking to play the young parts, the, the parts that were my <laughs> age. But then I was way too young looking to play the old dudes. And so I got right. caught in this, in this in between. And so I, I made a career out of being a day player. And just sort of going in and grinding it out. And my, my speciality was exposition. You know, that character that has to come in and just, ex- just drop Explain something. Metric. Yeah, like a shit ton of info, exposition right away, and then they're gone. Yeah, And that's yeah. all it is. He's, a dev- he's not a character, he's a device. And so I, I did that because I did that really well. And it wasn't until Kim's sort of hit uh, in 2016. But even before then, Kim's Convenience was a play. Yeah. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. knew that. Instroy yeah, wrote it, and he started writing it back in 2005. I was involved with the workshops to help develop it. And then in 2010, he finally finished it. He shopped it around to all the theater companies in Toronto, and they all said no. They took a hard pass on it. And so he entered into the Toronto Fringe Festival because he'd been working on it for so long, he needed to see it up on stage at least once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And, um, yeah, we did it, and it, like, it blew up. Uh, and it's one of these shows where it's kind of like, and I always say this, it's like Shakespeare. You can read it and you can kind of go, oh, okay, I kind of get it because the way the lines are written are the way Appa talks. And if right. you don't know what that voice is, if you don't know what the cadence is, what the rhythms are, it just sounds like you're like, uh, yeah, it's really simple pigeon sort of English. Right. I don't get it. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's no subtext to it. There's no nuance. Yeah. And I can see why people would just sort of pass on it because they lack that ability to see beyond and, right. and treat these characters like real people. And I think that was a problem. They saw them as, oh, it's just, they're lesser because they're, it's an immigrant family. So they're not, that narrative isn't important. And it's like, ah. but it's not until people hear the words. It's like Shakespeare. When you hear somebody who knows how to speak the text, right. it comes alive and it's rich and it's full. And that's what Kim's was. And then when it hit at the Fringe Festival, it caught a lot of people by surprise. And it was a, it was a story that was so specific, it became universal. And it was a, a specifically about a Korean Canadian immigrant family. And, um, it suddenly became all immigrant families because there were so many commonalities, so many u- universalities to it right. that people just connected with the material. And so the, for the fringe, it blew up and all the theater companies who'd said no came knocking on the door saying, we would love to present Kim's convenience on our music. <laughs> uh, and it took off from there. So for me, this, this, I, I'm not used to being, I, this is my first real leading role in mm-hmm. anything. Uh, and I, I, it's a long roundabout way of me saying, I'm still blown away by the fact that people mm-hmm. want to talk to me or make a big deal out of talking to me and go, I can't believe we got you. 
because I'm just that nerdy, geeky guy who builds props <laughs> in his basement, <laughs> scratching away, love talking about like normal things. Like I don't live in a mansion. I don't go jet skiing. I don't. I just like <laughs> no. I'm this guy who got incredibly well fortunate in terms of the job that he got. Right. Uh, and I finally got an opportunity to sort of show what I could do as a performer. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So. That that's I, I'm still sort of like mm, okay everybody's like <laughs> when they make a big deal I'm like <laughs> I, I get well, that imposter syndrome huge. I, yeah. It's funny you say that because I think you know when we saw you <clears throat> we were like oh it'd be so fun to talk to him and all that stuff and then it wasn't until Vic saw you like in cosplay where he's like oh this guy's a total nerd he's just like us like I'm like I'm gonna email this guy and I'm like go ahead like do it <laughs> you know, I was like, pretty persistent draw some figures yeah. <laughs> you were and you were great and I'm so sorry because again. I'm not used to this. And so like my socials, especially after the show hit Netflix yeah. exploded yeah. And wow. every season. When we hit Netflix again, there's another wave and another wave. And it's just me. I don't have a publicist. I don't have a manager. I don't have anybody going through any of my socials. Uh, that's a hundred percent me. And it's like, there's Twitter, there's Facebook, there's Instagram. It's a lot. Uh, yeah. And it's ridiculous. And I, I, I've always been raised. You respond to people. They make the effort to respond. So I, I try and I'm going through, but it's like another job and I feel terrible. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> and especially because, you know, I get a lot of requests. Hey, can you wish my mom? A, it's, it's her 50th birthday or it's her 30th birthday. <laughs> oh, no. I get so many of those and I would love, love, love to do that. And at the beginning I was, but I can't keep up with it. Yeah. And so I feel, no. I, I feel like shit because it's like, can you help? I'm like, I would love to, but I literally have a hundred requests like this. And I'm, I, I, I literally cannot even respond back saying I have a hundred requests because it's, that's another form in of itself. And right. so I go into hiding. <laughs> <laughs> so like, well, yeah, we really, really <laughs> we appreciate you didn't hide this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, like I said, I, I, I started following you once I got into the show and it wasn't until it was the, uh, the, the tie fighter pilot outfit that I first saw you. And I think, and I was like, that's not even <clears throat> like the Halloween tree place that you get. That's like, that's true cosplay. And that's when I told BJ, like, I think this guy's a goddamn nerd. I think we need to like <laughs> talk to him. So I kept, you know, as you know, I kept being persistent about it and kept dropping hints like, come on, this is a lot of nerdy shit. Come on to our show. <laughs> um, and then you finally agreed to it and actually, you know, stuck to it. And I, again, I'm, you're blown away by people wanting to talk to you. I'm blown away that people actually say yes to our show. Wow. Um, <laughs> especially, especially someone who is an award winning actor for something that we like Absolutely truly love. enjoy, like wow. really yeah. truly enjoy. So, um, oh, man. Well, I mean, we have interview questions, but like, I just, I just want to talk I, about I, nerdy shit too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. I mean, honestly, that's that's why I want to do. It. Like, this is this is my comfort zone. I always get blown away, and people go, "Whoa, up a cosplay!" It's like, well, the guy yeah. who plays up a cosplay, yeah, like I'm not. You get the character, and I love that, and I love people who love the character because that means I'm doing a good job. But it, it always makes me chuckle 
when people hear my, they go, oh my God, he doesn't speak that way in real life? That's incredible. And it's like, well, yes, it's acting. It's well, acting out, right? like, I'm not this, they didn't win the lottery and find this 60 year old Korean dude with impeccable timing <laughs> and ability to play these scenes. Like, they didn't just pull him off the street and go, hey, wouldn't it be funny if you read these? No, it's, there's, it's a craft. It's and not even worked- just your accent though. It's, it's your, your voice is like a uh, deeper, like an Asian yeah. deeper, like, yeah. a, like an older, like an older father deeper. Like I'm sure you, that's what you, you know, I think you said you pulled inspiration from your dad. Yeah. Well, my dad's kind of the, when I hear him talk, it's a different accent, but like it's that deep tone. I don't yeah. know, like that you yeah. capture because your speaking voice now is not even minus the accent is completely different. Yeah. It's very weak and very, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, that's exactly it. I mean, with, with Abba's voice, he's, he's got a deeper register and it's, it's got that weight to it. Right. So, you know, yeah, he's a biapa and he's a talk to his kid like this and have to, have to pay attention and learn, huh? Because I know I live through this, so you have to listen to me. Understand? <laughs> and so, yeah, and, and it's, it's physicality so too. Even as I was doing that, I was hunching over and sort of like, I got that old man sort of posture. Right, right. Been carrying so much for so long. It just, it's like that. And it's all, I mean, I've been playing a version of Appa since 2005 when we were first workshopping it. And then when it hit as a play since 2011. So I've lived with this character for close to 20 years. Wow. And wow. it's, he's an extension of who I am. Um, I know intrinsically what makes him tick. Uh, I can, you know, people throw scenarios at me. I can, I can improv as him because I know him through and through because he's my dad. He's my uncle. He's my grandfather. He's all these crazy, stubborn, wonderful Korean men that I grew up around. And I'm slowly becoming one as I get older too. <laughs> um, so it, it is like, yeah, I get it. And the older I get to, the more perspective. That's the lovely thing about this character is as I get older, I gain different perspective about him. And Jean Yoon, who plays Oma on the show, when we were doing the tour, she said, because this is a role in the play, he's 60 years old. And I was only 40, 40-ish when we started playing. Uh, yeah. She said, in 20 years, you will be the same age as Appa is in this play. <laughs> and you can keep playing him. And how incredible would that be to grow into his age? And what kind of perspective are you going to gain? And every year it was true. I gained different perspectives. And as my kids get older, as I learn new things, as I interact with other people, you get that that. It's a bounty. It really is a blessing to be able to inhabit a character, live with it, and gain all of this insight to layer into that performance. That's is, that, is that your dad's accent that you pull or just a generic Korean one? That's my dad. And he, it's funny because people get, you know, so that, that's not how Korean Korean American sounds. Like, yeah, well, he's not Korean American. He's Korean Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Where he was at, like, we lived in London, Ontario, Scarborough, Scarborough, Ontario, which is just like a, um, it's like Queens is to New York, right? It's part of Toronto. Uh, and then we lived in Calgary. And so his journey, his voice is shaped by where he, where we were geographically and how people spoke and how he tried to speak in English. Right. And, but that's, that's his, that's his accent. Like that's his voice. That's the one I'm using. And it's interesting whenever you have a show that is, uh, kind of an outlier because like until fresh off the boat was, uh, now they're, they're, they've been canceled. It was just two yeah. real Asian shows in North America. Yeah. But, you know, just because it's a show with Asians in it doesn't mean it's about all Asians. You right. Know, there might be a lot of universalities, but we are not supposed to be the representation of every single Asian family 
that's ridiculous. It's like right. saying, you know, one cop show is indicative of all the cops. <clears throat> like nobody ever says that. You know, nine hundred two and zero. That's all white people. Nobody says that. Right? <laughs> so, and that's the thing. Like we are, we have you know, uh, characters that that we play. And I remember at the beginning, people were saying, "Oh, they want a convenience store. That's so racist." I was like, "How is that racist?" My parents had a convenience store. That's true to life. We're not saying all Korean families have a convenience stores, but this one happens to. That's that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the truth in that situation. Same thing with the the use of accents. People are saying that's so racist. They're speaking in accent in English, but that's true to their experience. They're immigrants, and English is their second language. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what the story's about. And so the knee jerk reactionism, I think, can be it, it can be a blessing and a curse. I think people are trying to be a little bit more woke, a little bit more attentive to what's going on, and and want to call out unconscious bias or race systemic racism and stuff. But there has to be a point where critical thinking comes into play as well. So that you don't undermine everybody's position, like a legitimate position because you're jumping to conclusions. Right. There's gotta be a a modicum and a measure of thought. And it's okay to like, to investigate before you pass judgment. And I wish more people would do that. They just sort of look into it. It's like a star Wars movie. People are like, ah, it's stupid. This casting's ridiculous. Oh my god! I can't believe you just said that. I was thinking right. Phantom Menace, right? Yeah. My, where the, <clears throat> the 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 Nemoidian was speaking like in that really thick. It was almost like Japanese businessman or something like that. And I remember watching. The, I, it just really hit me. I was like, wow, they're really going for it. You know, like <laughs> okay, well, well, I guess it's an alien, but <laughs> it's well, the, close to home. Yeah, yeah, the Gungans too. Yeah, of course. <laughs> More oh yeah, like, Watto. Yeah, yes. they all sounded totally it's, weird. Yeah, and so it's it's stuff like that where I I really wish there was a measure of just um, investigation. Do you know? Do, do your due diligence before you you jump on the bandwagon or do anything like that. Like, and that's what I try to do. I try to be really measured in terms of response and and, and thoughtful. I think that's what it is. We're we're in such a rush nowadays. To be the first or, or to join a movement or this or that. And that, that kind of passion is admirable, but it does a lot of damage if you don't Could do be misguided, misguided a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it happens. I mean, it happened, um, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement, um, you know, there was a blackout Tuesday and everybody was for the Instagram post, they were putting up black in solidarity for. And it was the, the, the impetus behind it was a very positive one and where people wanted to support, but then it came out. When you're using the hashtag Black Lives Matter, you're actually filling that feed, which was being used as a resource for activists and supporters to get information. You're filling it with just black. You're literally blacking that out. And it's. Oh, I see what you're saying. You know, and so people were like, they're saying, please don't use that. And please don't even use Blackout Tuesday because it was the algorithm was such that it was still throwing it over to the Black Lives Matter thing. So it's that's an example where the intention was great. The response was amazing. But the outcome was less than desirable. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it, it's, I mean, and sense. that's, it, it is one of these things. That's how life is. We, we, we want to do right. We make mistakes. We learn from them. We move on. And um, I, that's, that's something that I try to instill in my kids that I'm trying to still learn for myself um, that you're going to make mistakes. Don't be paralyzed into inaction because it's so easy to be so scared to make a mistake that you don't do anything. Right. Um, right. But it's, it's like, you learn from you. You got to own it. You make a mistake. You own it. No half-assed apologies. No this. No that. You own it. You kind of go, okay. How do we learn? How do we move forward from this? And you just go. And I think that for everything in life, 
it would be so much easier if we all just kind of sucked it up and let our <laughs> egos take that hit and kind of go, okay, I'll do better, honestly, and like actually do that. So, and I think people want to do that, but I think you know, after a certain point, people as human beings, they're tired of making mistakes. They're tired of being, you know, uh, get defensive. Yeah, and it, it's it just we have such, such thin skin now. It's incredible. Pass, passive aggressiveness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, I wanted to say something earlier, um, uh, but by the way, that was that was actually beautiful stated. Um, but but I wanted to go back to the show a little bit in that uh, it makes sense now that watching the first episode, I was really struck by. I'm like, it felt like that place had been there for many years. Like it, it just it didn't feel like a first episode, right? So it makes sense now. You guys doing the play and living in that character that going into that episode, it was just like, well, I've been doing this for so long that this isn't a first episode for me. Right. And it just kind of, so I really like that. We were just thrown right into this situation. And I, I was like trying to figure the characters out and try, you know, and then we learned all this backstory with your son and it was just really good shit. So I, I was really like hooked from the beginning and not a lot of shows do that. It takes three, four five episodes. Right. You know, but, uh, first episode, I was like, oh, I, I, I love this environment. This is great, you know? Well, that, the first one was the gate discount, right? That was the first episode. Yeah. I got hooked. <laughs> I got hooked yeah. in the, what, what, I forget what it's called, but there's always, uh, you guys do this. The office does it too. I think Parks and Rec does it as well, where there's a short segment, a short, quick joke. Yeah. Before the uh, credits roll. We, we call it the cold open. Yeah. Cold, that's right. Cold, cold open. open. Yeah, yeah. So I got hooked on that scene when Appa's trying to, you know, say that he's not homophobic by giving this gay discount. But because I'm Asian and I can hear that voice in people that I've known, it like spoke to me that he was like caught in a back and he's like, no, no, no I'm going to do this without thinking it through. Yeah. <laughs> and it was really funny. Yeah. And the entire episode, because now you set the tone that he's just innocently ignorant, right? Like yeah. he's just innocently very true, like very kind, very like he's the fam he's like the uh the corner store that nobody messed with, right? Like that's mm-hmm. what I because everybody loved that store. And uh I was so hooked for the whole episode you're saying you're not gay. He's like, I would know. <laughs> Yeah. He's like, I have gaydar. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, he just doubles That's down so on it, right? <laughs> yeah, especially so the real, um, I, I can't remember his name. He's a Latino Enrique. character. Rodrigo, Rodrigo Fernandez Stahl, who plays Enrique. That character oh, yeah. and Oppa's yeah. character together. Like, oh, my God. That was so gold. amazing that he's like. Comedy gold. Yeah. <laughs> And that's Rod. Rod <laughs> is fantastic. Uh, and he's actually channeling his, channeling his mom. Oh, okay. His, his mom is like that. Um, uh, in terms of, because if, if you watch a show, Enrique really sort of, he, he evolves into this. Uh, he's, he's a regular customer in the store. Yeah. And I love it when Rod comes in because I always know we're going to be playing. Um, and Rod, he, he thinks I give him a hard time about this. Uh, and I just tease him, but he's never off book. When he comes in, 
he doesn't have any of his lines and uh, we'll go over lines like all oh, we're getting our makeup done but he always I mean he always nails it and he comes up with these fantastic choices and they're never the same and so we play so I know when we, we we come in and he's he's there like we're going to be playing the entire time and he's come up with a fantastic physicality for the character um his delivery of lines is incredibly hilarious right uh he finds emphasis in the in the weirdest of places and he really pushes it and he commits a, a million percent to the choices that he makes he's kind of like Will Ferrell in that way it can be yeah. like oh you're gonna you're gonna choose that huh but he invests in it so hard and he just goes for it you kind of go all right, awesome. that works. Yeah, yeah. yeah all right i i love it every time he was on the show there was that one i forget which episode it was but there was this one cold open where he came in and he's like well i'm back and Oppa's like when were you gone <laughs> and he says, and he like, I've been boycotting. He, he, boycotting, yeah. He yeah. boycotted the store without telling anybody. So nobody <laughs> knew what the hell he was talking about. And that's awesome. That's the writing, too. Like, the writing on the show, it's, it's a blessing when you get really great creative writers who, who can come up with the funny. You know, when you have that strong base to build on, it's easy in a sense to just sort of take it and run with it and, and go in these different directions because if the foundation is solid, whatever you build on it will be strong. So did the, um, did the writers come up with those catchphrases, which by the way, we use like all the time. <laughs> catchphrase, which catchphrase? Yeah. Um, just there's so many of them, but who came up with those? So OKCU was something that was in the play and it was just something okay. that, uh, I mean, my parents do it too. It's just, okay, see you. And it just became this sort of, because Appa uses it to say goodbye to customers. Yeah. It just became this thing. And I remember back when we were doing the play and I was just starting off on Twitter and I had all of like 15 followers and I was like, this, this is the future. This is how we're going to, this is how we're going to push the show <laughs> online with hashtags. And I tried to, I was every, every tweet ended with hashtag OKCU. And for five years, I was like, OKCU, OKCU, nothing. And then the show hit on TV and still nothing. Uh, But then when it hit Netflix, then it started to go, people were asking, is it okay if I say OKCU? Like, is it racist if I say OKCU? And it's like, (laughs) it's it's just, it's like saying hello. It's like, are you, is it okay if I say hello and goodbye? But on the show, on the show though, it's like more dismissive. Okay, see you. Like I'm done with you now. (laughs) Yeah. Like like the episode, like the episode where you're paying the window washer and he's waiting for a tip and you're like, okay, see you. Okay, see you. (laughs) Yeah. And then the, and then the cold open ends with Appa actually taking a tip after his fucking speech about not wanting, like, why does everybody have to be tipped? Yeah. And he's like, oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the show is brilliant for that, for, for pointing out, I think, the little hypocrisies that we all have. Uh-huh. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, and that's the thing. I mean, I remember, and the, another is stop. See, stop. That uh, became oh a my thing. God. And it was just, you know, that. as scripted, it's like, stop, it's like uh, in The Simpsons, when Homer's go, when he says, don't. No. Yeah, scripted, yeah, yeah. It's just disgruntled noise. And, you know, Dan Castle and I came up with a dunk! Like, he came up with that and it became this thing. Same thing with those little catchphrases. OKCU was just something like stop. Is something the slurping of the teacup was something. It's like for season one, if you notice too, I, I was, whenever I, Appa would say a P, he would go pop. He would do that. Like a little yeah. bit of a. And I would try to incorporate little things like little 
idiosyncrasies in there and stuff. And some stuff hits and other stuff doesn't. Um, well, and, this, the, the sneak attack thing. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I love the sneak attack. Sneak attack in the later seasons becomes a huge catchphrase. Huge, Why huge. Another one is uh, something style, you know, like, uh, yeah, we, we, we're going to go Hawaiian style yeah. or, you know, yeah. style, that kind of <laughs> thing. Right? It just, it's just, it's uh, and yeah, so it's kind of fun that these, these little phrases sort of land and people, people run with it. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's just, I don't think people set out to, to do it. It just becomes, and then the writers sort of take it and, and keep going with it. Well, in the 80s, um, I don't know what Canadian sitcoms were like in the 80s, but in America, the 80s were all about catchphrases. Your show right. was oh. successful if you had a catchphrase. Yeah, and yeah, it was just, they were always forced. What you, and, what you talking about, Willis? Yeah, and then yeah, the, like, the applause. Yeah! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or the fake applause. The, uh, clap, the clap through the laughatron or whatever it was. Um, what did your dad think when he first heard you with that accent? Oh, he didn't know it was him. He didn't. He didn't. Oh, he really? didn't reconnect because he's not sound like Yeah, I'm not right. Right. Like that. I don't sound like that. No. <laughs> yeah. You're crazy. You know, like he doesn't. Do it. <laughs> I, it, he doesn't. I think, but he secretly chuffed about it. Like not sec- not so secretly anymore. But this is one of the shows, the only show that I've ever been on, where my parents are one hundred percent invested and so proud. And you know, they'll trot me so out, cool. and I'll say, "My son, the actor." And <laughs> but you were on so many episodes of Train Forty Eight. <laughs> oh, I know. And they were happy with it. Like, yeah, we don't understand what's going on, but yeah, you were on TV. Good. <laughs> <laughs> you can't really brag good for you. Yeah. But now, yeah. it, because it's about a Korean Canadian family, they, and my parents are Korean Canadian, and all the people they hang out with are Korean Canadian. They're yeah. like, yeah, that's my son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, loyal engineer, but he's a very successful actor. Oh, <laughs> uh, you would hear? Oh, yeah. That's how it, that's how it goes, right? Pharmacist, yeah. medical, computer, doctor of some sort. Yeah. And then there's nothing beyond that but president or successfully rich. Right? Yeah. Well, I, I always joke. It's like my parents said I could be four things growing up. Doctor, lawyer, engineer, or a failure. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the immigrant experience because they, they pulled up stakes in, a, in their homeland. I mean, think mm. about the courage it would take to move your family someplace where the cultures are different and you don't speak the language and you're a professional and you're not allowed to work a professional because you don't speak that language. Right. And the reason you do that is for your children. And then your ungrateful children grow up. And instead <laughs> of taking this huge sacrifice, you gave up friends, you gave up your career, you gave up comfort. And the little shits want to become actors. You're like, you're pissed away. Or- so I get it. Or do a free podcast. Yeah. (laughs) The mightiest oak starts from the littlest seed, right? Right. That's um, right. And that's, that's the thing for me. I mean, they looked at me like, Oh God, he wants to be an actor. Why? That's not part of the top three. No. And it took me, I mean, I, I was, Kim started like what uh, on TV 2016. So it was about, you know, four years ago, I was 44 before I became a successful actor. Yeah. That's a long time. How do you get a job? Well, it was <laughs> like, you get a job. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, that's, that's, you know, that's when they stopped worrying about me. 
Yeah. It's yeah, always a long great. time. Yeah. It's a long you, time. Are you, are you going to be okay? Can you, do we need to support your sorry ass? <laughs> <laughs> and so it's, it's one of those things. And we don't have you know, enough room for all your nerd shit. Yeah. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Why are you biting another helmet? You don't, you're yeah. not working. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that's why I'm getting him now. Because Andrew Fung, who plays kimchi, he's he's my enabler. And we, we have this catchphrase. Oh. It's like, should I get it? And he's always, treat yourself. Oh, that's oh, Parks yeah. and Rec. Parks and Rec, Rec baby. Oh, yeah, that's where yeah. It's from? yeah, yeah. That's where it's from. That's the catchphrase <laughs> from Parks and Rec. Okay. And so that's our mantra. Like, he is, it's so funny. Sneakers, right? Terrible. Yeah, he's sneakers. But, you know, not only sneakers. He loves wrestling. Professional wrestling. Really? Is jet, especially in the 80s, the old WWF stuff. Oh, hardcore. yeah. I mean, I love that uh, stuff, too. Yeah. And so he's gotten into, and this is awesome, and this is what I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expose him for this, championship wrestling belts. <laughs> and no. not, not, not the branded ones that you get that are, you know, decent quality. These are like handcrafted, artisanal, faithful recreations. Yeah. He has nineteen of them, guys. Nineteen. What? what are they? Wow. Like, got to be like four, five hundred feet. Right? But you have Intercontinental, yeah. uh, World Championship, Tag Team Championship, different eras: WCW, WWF, ECW. Yeah. Like got the gambit, uh, and they're beautifully crafted and like the wow. finest. Almost better than the real thing. I was does he thinking. have? Does he have the million dollar belt? I don't know. I don't know because honestly. Be, you see the wall of shoes and you see the, the, the belts yeah. and you're over, like I'm overwhelmed. It's, it's like uh, sensory. overload. Look at Ted DiBiase, I think, right? The million dollar man. I'm going to ask him. I'm going to say, yes, I'm going to say if he doesn't yeah. already have it, he's probably getting it made as we speak. That one has to be freaking expensive hell. Cause it was like gold plated and was surrounded, oh, by, yeah. like, surrounded by diamonds. Diamonds. Right. Yeah. Like, what right. He told me if you order a bunch of them at the same time, they actually cut you a deal. <laughs> <laughs> what? Like, yeah, so if I order 50, you know, 10 belts, I get like, you know, they, they, they drop in price. A discount. Yeah. yeah, it's like, I yeah, that makes sense. But I, <laughs> man, I, I don't have space to put my helmets anymore. Like, I literally have to keep all, a lot of my collectibles in boxes, which I hate. But I have to keep them because yeah, I, I can't store them otherwise. If they're loose, I, I can't store them. So, yeah, they're, they're stacked up because that's the most uh, I just. Paul, I just got yeah. one of these. I don't know if you've seen the. They brought back the retro oh, figures. Yeah, the vintage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I walked <laughs> in the store. The, yeah, I walked in the store the other day and got the Boba Fett, and it reminded me of the one that you had to order, like right. back in 1980. Zero box. Yeah, and um, it didn't. The, the rocket. The rocket didn't work, and, and I remember I was so upset. And <laughs> like, so did you actually get one with the rocket that you could put in and spring load and shoot out? Oh no no they they there was a little note that said choking hazard. That's, and that's and, it. And that's it. And there's only we talked to the guy that collects things and he said that uh there's only like 20 maybe 50 in existence but only 26 that are actually like people have said they have them. Yeah. So yeah. I remember yeah. those because it was <clears throat> you know yeah you could shoot that <laughs> rocket at it. And it would go like maybe 2 inches because of this thing. So, <laughs> So weak. I mean, if you choked on it, I'm sorry. You deserve to die. No, that's terrible. That's terrible. As a parent, I can't say that. Um, but you kind of have to wonder. Uh, but and I do remember because I did get the Boba Fett, and you couldn't. And I was bitterly disappointed. And I tried pulling that rocket thing out. Oh, me I'm, too. Yeah, me too. Stuck. It's like no, it's, it's molded in there. Um, 
So but, what is uh, your most prize? What's your most prize collectible? I just have right now. I mean, I don't know if it's collectible because I built it, but it's got to be my proton pack. Oh it's, yeah, that thing is yeah. awesome. It's a one to one ratio. It's it wasn't a kit. Um, you know, a lot of things like a lot of my Star Wars armor, it's kit. It comes in kit form. It's all uh, vacuum form. It's pre pulled. You have to trim it. You have to fit it. You have to put all the strapping in and stuff like that. Um, and it's very funny too because I have friends who are like, "Oh my god, your stuff is amazing!" Oh, thank you. He says, and then they find out that it's kind of a kit, and they go, "Oh, you didn't actually make it, man! You're full of shit." I'm like, "What do you mean? Like, I thought you actually built it and shaped it." Like, no, I, and I never said I did. I said I built this armor, but it doesn't mean it's like when somebody says I rebuilt a car, they didn't forge the steel. Yeah, they didn't. And it. They yeah. didn't do that. They took the right. pieces and they put it together, and that's literally what I'm doing. Um, so. Anyways, uh, so it's a proton pack, and like all the elements, I had to get separate. So the shell is fiberglass. There's a guy in Texas who's now started making new runs of these shells, and they're really hard to come by. But in my mind, they're the most accurate. They're the prettiest ones and closest to accurate oh, in my mind. Nice. Um, and then I had to source another place that that fabricated the aluminum parts, like the iron arm, um, and the 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 other the the oh my god, I'm forgetting all the terms here. The the tubes and um, I had, to, I had to source the the, the vintage um, uh, resistors, the Dale resistors, uh, you know, because a lot of that stuff was from the seventies and eighties, and it was like pennies back then. Right. And oh, if you yeah, find yeah. them now, they're still super cheap. But all the hoarders, all the people who know what the community needs them for, they've scooped them all up, and now they they they're like it's extortion almost. Yeah, and in yeah. Canada, this stuff is like non-existent. Like we don't use that anymore. We use these new things. Why would you want something that's twenty-five years old? So I ordered from the States and they could be like, Hey, yeah, you get 10 resistors for five bucks. Shipping is $50. Wow. And you're going to have Whoa. an import tax. And you're like, wow. So that yeah, jacks the, the price. Yeah. 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 The import tax. No, I, so, I saw it on your YouTube channel and yeah. I was, I thought, it, first of all, I, besides the look, it sounded amazing. Yeah. Like even through your iPhone or however you were recording, because I knew you didn't have like a boom mic or anything. Even through there, <laughs> well, you could tell because like you could tell like you're in the basement or something with the slight amount of echo. But when yeah. you kicked on the proton pack, yeah. uh, it was so deep. Even on that recording, I was like, "Oh my god, that's that's accurate as hell." And then you put the steam in there from oh, the video game. Yeah. I love Again, that thing. Those are, and these uh, these are. Those are from like that's the 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 venting thing. Easy is from Fincher Technologies. It's a father son company in Carolinas. I think it's North Carolina or South. One of the Carolinas. Look, if you really like this show and it tickles your nerd spot, please review the show on iTunes and Facebook. It'll help getting the show sponsors and allow the show to keep putting out daily and weekly content. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. And they, they did the re- like, they're the ones pumping that stuff like that kit out. Nowadays, people have been able to figure out with Arduino and because eSig technology is, is readily available. Um, they, they can sort of jury rig something, but the Finchers, they're the first ones that ever did it. And, um, their support has been great. Like, if you have any questions, they're, they're there to help you. The quality of the, the materials they send are fantastic. And, um, sorry, that's a phone. I'm gonna, sorry. Uh, and, uh, same with the, uh, the, the sound, like the sound card. Again, this is stuff that's all plug and play. I got through GB fans. Yeah. Uh, somebody has done the heavy lifting, uh, but I yeah. had to install it and make sure I didn't electrocute myself and blow up the sound ports and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, 
<laughs> yeah, but I mean that I I still get shivers when when I switch that sucker on, and when you're oh, wearing the pack and it runs oh, away, man. man, it's it's orgasmic. Yeah, like it's, you know, normally orgasmic. It's like when uh, you yeah. see stuff from Star Wars. When you see it in real yeah. life, you're just like, oh my god. You know, I can't believe that this was on the set of Star Wars or this yeah. is Luke's actual lightsaber, stuff like that. Because we went to uh, uh, Rancho Obi-Wan. Have you ever heard of that? Yes. Yes, I have. So it's it's, it's like two hours from me. Right. Um, and we took the tour. It was like five or six, six. hours. Wow. Yeah. And and I always, I always tell the story that it's that long. And I, we're huge Star Wars fans. And I was like Star Wars out by the end of it. Wow. He's got so many stories. If you ever get yeah. the chance to do it, yeah. um, you got to do it. If you're a Star Wars fan and a collector, because oh, he yeah. has so much shit. It's so I, see much. Pictures, I see the pictures and I'm like, doesn't do it justice. Yeah. You, yeah. It's it's like, I can only ex- describe it as like, you go into one room and then you're like, oh, this is cool. And then he opens another room and it just keeps going and going and going. And not to mention and, that the, the hallway is much bigger when you're actually in the warehouse. Wow. So he actually has half of it curtained off <laughs> and then there's shit behind there. Wow. I it's, hope he has the best insane. virus suppression system in the world yeah, like, yeah. i don't great. i don't it's 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 temperature i don't it's think temperature regulated it. oh yeah 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 like he has all the regulated. perfect like yeah he has a perfect temperature for everything it's it's all climate controlled in there right. for the collectibles and everything because he's got some really old pieces like he has yeah. stuff that people went out uh in like tunisia and brought it back to him or gave it to him he's oh, got stuff wow. from he's got stuff from the uh jabba's barge that was blown up i think right. he had that in there I think he's got the original I, I Empire. Don't buys, I don't think no, he buys I don't know. anything anymore. He used to buy it. People just donate yeah. shit to him now. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's like he's the, the Star Wars Smithsonian, right? Like yeah, like, it's it, it's ridiculous. Oh my god! Yeah, because Island, like, didn't they have like this big fire sale? Where it's not for sale? They they just have all this all these props and all these things from the Star Wars universe. They had no space for it, so they just ended chucking it all out. And yeah. that that yeah, I get it because it's like. They have it costs money to store all that stuff. Well, now they just call him to see if he wants it. Right. I mean, he actually turns down stuff from Lucas film, um, which is insane that he actually says no to this stuff. But like when you see his place, you'll understand why he turns down some of the stuff. Yeah. Crazy. Man, you would definitely love it. I uh, I had an opportunity last year uh, to visit the set of The Mandalorian season one. A friend of mine, Deborah Chow, is a director. Uh, on yeah. that, and she's an old friend of mine. And um, wait, you know Deborah Chow? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very funny because I knew Deb back in the day when we were both. I was starting off as an actor, and she was um, uh, an administrator she, uh, at uh, the Factory Theater in Toronto. And so this was before. This is just after I graduated from university. Wanted to be an actor. She wanted to be a filmmaker, and we just found ourselves working at the same place. And um, she asked me, she said, you don't want to be an actor, right? After the short film, do you want to be in it? I said, yeah, absolutely. So for a day, uh, we shot this her short film, and I was um, like a, a private detective, like a gumshoe with a trench coat and a fedora. And I was nice. going through Chinatown, and we were just shooting footage. It was all MOS. There's no dialogue. And then she disappeared. And I didn't see Deb for 25 years. And <laughs> in 2018, no, I shit you not. 2018, wow. I'm in Los Angeles for the first time ever with the cast of Kim's Convenience, and we got invited to uh, the Coriam uh, Unforgettable Gala. 
And it's it's a gala that's in Los Angeles that celebrate Asians in the media. And, you know, Kim's had just dropped on Netflix. It had made a big impact. And so we got invited. And so we're there. I'd never been in L.A. before. It's in Beverly Hills at the um, – the Beverly Hills, like where they have the the daytime, uh, they host a lot of award shows. I think the Golden Globes are hosted there too. It's yeah, just multicultural. Yeah. And Deb jumps in front of me, and she said, "Do you remember who I am?" And I was like, "Deb, of course I know who you are. Like, where have you been? What are you doing?" So we're catching up, and she said, "Thank you know, congratulations on all your success with Kim's Convenience. I, I wanted to get in touch with you because um, Dave Filoni uh, is who I'm working. Oh, sorry." I'm I'm cutting up. I, I said, "What are you doing? What are you doing in town?" And, and she oh said, "Oh, you know." God. She became a director. I said, "Oh, that's fantastic!" And she said, "So you're remember that short film that you were in?" I said, "Yeah, that short film got her into Columbia University in New York." What? She went to Columbia, learned to be a filmmaker, and then started working uh, as a director. And then uh, she built her career. And I said, "So what are you doing in Los Angeles?" Right? She says, "Oh, I'm working on The Mandalorian." I almost died. I said, are you shitting me? The, you're yeah, working on it? I'll be in an alien. I'll be in an alien costume. I don't <laughs> give a like, shit. <laughs> I was really happy. And she said, and that's why I want to talk to you because Dave Filoni, who is one of the executive producers, and he said, do you know who he is? He's like, yes, I know who Dave Filoni is. Um, he's a big fan of yours because his, they, they're fans of Kim's Convenience. Oh, my God. And I was like, you're shitting me. She's like, yeah, and he's trying to, you know, he's, 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 he's trying to write something for you. And what? I was like, you're kidding. like, I was dying. I said, so I, I grabbed her arm and I said, you do realize I have like 16 Star Wars costumes at home. She's like, what? So I, I show her my cosplay. <laughs> and it's like, you know, the TIE fighter pilot, the Imperial officer, the X-Wing pilot. Um, and she's like, oh, these are fantastic. Can I can send them to me? I'll send them to Dave. So she texts him to Dave and he texts right back. He says, he just show up in his costume. That'd be great. And so was, she said, what are you doing tomorrow? Do you want to come visit the set? I was like, I'm flying back to Toronto tomorrow. I can't. So she said, come back and we'll, we'll set it up for you. I was like, absolutely. So I came back three weeks later and uh, got that set visit and I, I almost died. Isn't it was it unreal. Oh I've been watching the, I've been watching the behind the scenes. Oh, the gallery stuff. Yeah. It, oh my God. Uh, uh, I just got to the episode where the, they introduced the volume. Yes. Where it's the, the set and it's, oh my God. That is trippy. So the day I visited was a day that um, it, it was the episode where they're in Tatooine, and they're and it's so nice to be able to talk about it now too. Because back then it was it was there I met John Favreau, who's a super cool guy, um, and uh, I was just hanging out, and, and Dave was there, and so Dave gave me a guided tour of the entire thing. But they were shooting that scene where Mando's ship was in uh, the hangar in Tatooine, and they sh- they showed me the volume. And it was like the ship, the bottom part of the ship was practical. There was real sand, but the rest of it was at. We're, it's we're amazing. LED. Yeah. And LED. it felt like we were outside, like to the human eye, you felt like you were outside. Uh, and it was crazy. And so, and of course, and that was the day too. I saw the child revealed for the first time because they were doing the scene where the child. Oh my like, God. And I, was, I lost my mind. I was like, Oh my God, this is going to break the internet. And they said, no, you can't tell anybody. He's like, are you kidding me? I don't want to ruin this for anybody. This was so, that was incredible. Um, and just being a fly on the wall and listening to Filoni and, and Favreau, they're talking about story beats with the man. And I had no idea. There's no context. But they were, I mean, it was great because you could tell they cared about the material. 
and they were discussing things that. Okay, so uh, uh, you, dude, you're, this is is this a whole roundabout way in Obi Wan show? I'm gonna get to the punchline. Are you gonna get to the show? I'm so happy that Deb and so Deb gets ticked, and her episodes are fantastic in the Mandalorian. Oh, Jen, they are. So they're they're awesome. fantastic, and she no, loves. Awesome. I mean, if you can get her because uh, to talk on your podcast because she is like a geek's geek as well. And she loves action, oh and she does the deep dive into the research. I mean, and that's Deb. She does her prep, and she is. What's her phone number? <laughs> <laughs> you texted her. You said you texted her. I know you have the number. Um, and so when she, I heard she got Obi Wan. It was like, wow, yeah, that's, that's amazing. So I, I was like, so uh, Obi Wan, huh? Maybe I'll come <laughs> and visit you in, in England. And she said, if you want to be on it. We'll put a mask on you, no problem. <laughs> I was like, no. I, might, I might actually want to do that. And then, of course, they got delayed because of uh, all the stuff COVID. that's going. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just should have been like, I'll wear any mask as long as I can show my beard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, but that's the thing. Once your face is shown, that's it. Like you can't. So oh, you, can be, you could be. You could be Appa the Hut. <laughs> Thanks, BJ. <laughs> That's a dad joke. That's a I dad mean, joke. <laughs> um, oh, I get it now. Oh, God. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, stop <laughs> right there. Uh, he, was, he was thinking you, you sneak attacked him. Yeah. yeah, I did. I did. It was, that was a dad joke. It's horrible. That was a horrible <laughs> joke. Yeah, that's, that's the whole good. point. But I guess I get, the point I'm trying to make is too is my funnest time on the set too. Despite getting the Gotti tour from Dave and and watching him shoot stuff was and watching Deb work as well um, was I got to spend an hour and a half in the props trailer chatting oh. with a department and talk about touching history like josh oh. who's a, the props master and yang who's a uh props assist, um assist is like they sat and it was great because we we're just nerding out over the lineage of blasters you pull out like a dh17 and it's like this is actually from return of the jedi and this is, and so i'm holding these oh these they're like right? you're holding these things going holy shit this has got a lineage from something that I saw in 1983 when I was a snot-nosed kid who could finally go to the movies by himself. And now I'm holding this thing in my hand that was in that movie. Wow. It's a seminal experience. It's, it, it, it's like a holy grail, right? That holy grail moment where you're just looking at that and not expecting to, to even be within, you know, an arm's length of it. Um, wow. And it's something about cool. that connection that we all have in fandom and what that does and how it's it's amped up to the nth degree, especially when you're not expecting to ever – I mean, Return of the Jedi, 1983. It was 2019? No, 2018 when I visited wow. the set. Yeah. So, it's crazy. It's like, two yeah, years ago. Wow. Yeah. I, I have one question. I, I, I feel like we could talk forever about nerd stuff. We just started talking about nerd stuff too. Um, and it's already almost an hour. So I, I got to ask one question about Kim's convenience before okay. we get off, uh, before we start to finish the show. Um, since I, like I, again, I came late to the show and I, I, I did find out that it was a play first. You and Jean stayed on, but, uh, Jung and Janet's character, or not, yeah, didn't, yeah. They change. Why, why did the actors and actresses change? Well, Ian's Choi actually originally played Jung 
in the stage version uh, from the oh. fringe, the first bit of the tour. So the, the playwright himself. And the thing is, um, and we had, it was Esther John who originally played Janet in the fringe version in the first, first leg of the tour. But over the course of the, the, the history of the play, we've had, I think four Janets, three Ummas and four Johns. Oh, wow. It's just me. Um, but it was one of those situations where, where, um, uh, you know, people's availability. They just weren't available to, to do. And the tour was a long ass tour. Uh, we, we would go, we, we toured from 20, 2013 till about 2017, even up to 2017. So that's, wow. that's a long time wow. to be away from you. And we did 11 cities, uh, across Canada. We ended up in New York, uh, just yeah. off Broadway. And so it, wow. When we made the jump to television as well, they, they young the family down. So in the play, Appa, he's like in his late sixties and they're ready to retire. They're running out the clock and it's a broken family. And, uh, Janet is in her thirties and still living at home. Jung is in his thirties and has been gone for 15 years. And when they changed it into a television series, they lightened the mood, first of all, because it was a sitcom. So they, gent- they, they made it more gentler, but they also young the family down by about 10 to 15 years because they felt it was more advantageous to have Janet still going to school because you can capture a wider audience that way. And with Jung gotcha. being freshly separated from the family, you could mine more, more material from that. And so because <laughs> I, I was already younger anyways, and, and Jeannie's, uh, way she's she's young looking as well. Like we could we could slide down that no problem. But the original actors were just too old to play the the same oh, okay. parts. Okay, and so that's that's what basically happened. And then they found two wonderful actors, uh, you know, um, Andrea Bang and and Simu Liu, and they came in and and you talk about the advantages, uh, BJ. When you when you said you first saw the show and it felt like it was lived in and we're there, Gina, we had that advantage right from the get go. We lived, we knew these mm-hmm. characters inside and out. Andrea and Simu didn't. These were brand new characters for them. And they'd seen the play. You wouldn't know it. Yeah, yeah you wouldn't know it. It speaks to the level uh, you know, of the performance and how good of actors they are to to find these characters, have to live with them, decide, you know, who they are and then make them their own. And I think they've done incredible justice to the source material and and you know, they're fantastic actors. Yeah. No, I, like I said, we, this is, I, I still can't believe you're talking to us. You definitely did not listen to our show. People want to talk to me. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. But no, people know who you are. Stoked. Nobody gives a shit about us. Right now I, I'm, I'm very fortunate because I'm I just, what I do is very popular right now. Yeah. And, but it's like everything else. It's, and I think that's why people, when shows end, they kind of crash too, because they're like, Oh, they're no longer mm. the guy or the gal or the, the person in the spotlight. And you get the, it's, it's like the post show blues type thing. Whereas for me, yeah. I've always tried to keep things gra- as grounded as possible because I know what it's like to, to yeah. grind it out and not be yeah. recognized at all. And I want to enjoy it while I'm here. But at the same time, I don't want to get too used to this because. It's like what goes up must come down and just to keep for my own sort of mental health and yeah. to keep a better perspective so I don't turn into a raging asshole because I think <laughs> I deserve all this, right? It's, most most it's nerds most nerds aren't raging assholes. I mean there are some. But, <laughs> I don't know. Uh so I, 
our our ending is about 15 minutes. So, uh, with all interviews, so I just want to make sure we are able to plug all your stuff. I don't know if you've seen the ticker on the bottom. If yeah, if all that's correct. If you want to plug anything else, you know, do that now. But I think I got everything. I think you did. Is a uh, yeah, bitter Asian dude on Instagram, angry up. Oh yeah, Kim's Kim's I got your news. YouTube channel too on there as yes. well. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> All right, so yeah. we're gonna we uh we end every interview with what we call the big finish, and All it's right. three questions. Everybody gets the same questions because it's interesting to see, you know, how the different answers go. So, BJ, you got number one. All right, so who is your all-time favorite character, and it could be from any genre? Jesus, uh, yeah, Jesus. No, uh, all-time favorite <laughs> character in any genre. I'm going to have to say um, Peter Venkman. Oh, okay. Um, Ghost oh, that's a, that's a first one. We never got that one. We've gotten I a lot of, like, uh, we've gotten a lot of Star Wars characters. Yeah, I'm um, trying to go off the path, but, like, what's the first answer that came to mind? It's like, Venkman. That might be because the Proton Pack staring right at me right now. Uh, <laughs> but he made it Bill Murray growing up was one of my favorite comedic actors because I saw him in Stripes. I saw him in uh, 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 Oh my Caddyshack. God. Caddyshack. Thank you. And Ghostbusters, uh, Groundhog Day, all these great movies where he was just that guy who's uh, Meatballs was another great movie that's I think as a kid really resonated with me too, right? Because he was yeah. at that camp council we all wanted. Scrooge, yeah. and I, I just loved his timing, and he the fact that he's still in demand and people want to work with him, that longevity I think speaks volumes, and so mm-hmm. I loved what he did with the Peter Venkman character this sort of like guy who was like very skeptical about what was going on and was ready to use it as an angle for his own hustle mm-hmm. I thought that was hilarious, and he's, he's one of these great anti-heroes uh, in every movie, uh, yeah, he's like yeah. this reluctant guy that gets sort of gets pushed to the forefront, and he comes through yeah. So, so if uh, Peter Venkman was your spouse, uh, what would you complain about the most? Um, <clears throat> probably the mess. He 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 strikes me as a very <laughs> messy person. Well, you see that in Ghostbusters too. Yeah, he's like you know trying to clean up this space, and he's got his his laundry system, which is smell, um, and hanging it outside as a, <laughs> to get rid of the smell. <laughs> he irons at all uh also the fact that he, he's probably i would argue that one of the things i would complain about is he doesn't take things seriously enough because mm, sometimes yeah. it's just like time for the jokes while they can be you know at the beginning it was funny but now it's just annoying peter no just shut up <laughs> uh, um okay so second question uh, what are you watching now as far as TV shows go? Uh, something that you have to watch all the time or, or binge, you know, something that you're binging right now? Right now we're binging the Goldbergs. Okay. <clears throat> it's an American show. Uh, you know, and it was my youngest got, he's just sort of like, oh, what's this? And I remember hearing about it back in the day, but it is a trip down memory lane. I love that family, the dynamic they portrayed. I don't know if you guys know the show. I've, I've seen yeah. it. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. good. It's set in the 80s. So it's lovely because... As a kid who grew up in the 80s, like 70s and 80s, all that material is familiar to me. My, my youngest is like, what is that? What is that? And me, me being able to say, explain, explain exactly <laughs> what it was and yeah. sort of 
you know, this is going to happen. He goes, how did you know? I said, because that's what always happened with these things. Yeah. Um, also, yeah. the style, the fashion. But what I love is that family dynamic because they portray this family in a way where the dad calls them morons. They're yelling at each other. They're mean to each other, <laughs> but they love each other. And that's what I love. Yeah. It's not this hyper-idealistic family where everybody's calm and patient. They're yelling at each other and throwing shit at each other and undermining mm-hmm. each other. And the mom, like, she's fantastic. They, they, they call her the smother because she, she, she coddles him and she tries to do too much. She has trouble letting go. Yeah. And I, I, something really, really fresh about that show, even though it's been around for seven years. But I see that dy- dynamic and I love it because it's very similar to the Kim's family. It is. Yeah. Um, and so, and the, the added fact that it is vintage, they have all that 80s stuff in there and, and they jump around, they play with the timeline, which is hilarious. But all the movies that they sort of play up, are my favorite movies that yeah, you know, they, yeah. and they have theme shows around those movies. Uh, yeah. I, I love those. So we're doing that. Of course, Mandalorian, especially with the gallery features. Been yeah. watching that. Um, I got to get into Watchmen and Chernobyl, yeah. but uh, it stuff's really heavy lately. So I've been trying to keep it light. Yeah. Yeah. I've been wanting to go back to Chernobyl, but it's one of those shows where you have to just be in the mood for, yeah. you know, yeah. to invest that kind of thing. It's not lighthearted. It's kind of deep and disturbing. Yeah. So normally we, I have a follow-up question to the uh, actors or the characters that you name in your show that you said you watch, but we've never had, uh, an award-winning actor on our show before. So I'm going to break the mold and ask <laughs> what would Appa choose if he had to choose one form of transportation? And this is Appa, your character. Kit, Airwolf, or Streethawk? Okay. Uh, I don't I don't know what the any of that eat. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a... I don't, I don't want to ride on a kid. And uh, street hawker <laughs> sound like uh, too high. And uh, what's the other one? Airwolf. Airwolf. Oh, airwolf. Like a wolf that can fly? <laughs> I, I don't like a dog, but a wolf, if he not bite me, I can hold on to and he can ride and pull me all around. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. That's awesome. I didn't think that was going to happen. I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought you were going to answer it. Like, just answer it. And I was like, oh, my God, he's actually doing it. That was not a, that was not a way to get you to do the character. I to watch that kind of a show. Yeah, Paul understand it would be a big I love the part in the show where you say Netflix and chill. Yeah. And Oma knows it, but Alpha yeah. doesn't know it. And he tells, I forget the character's name. The, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I don't want to Netflix and chill with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, right. it's, he, it makes sense to him. It's like, oh, Netflix and the chill. Yeah. 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 Just a real- <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> okay. Last question. Um, top three movies of all time. Uh, oh, she's okay. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, Jaws. Uh, shit, it's a tie. There's so many. It's two way tie between uh, Ghostbusters and Back to the Future. With honorable mention to Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan. You can't beat me. I mean, it's just like oh, those are all awesome. Thank you. You could survive. Yeah, you three for sure. Wow. But then maybe you, maybe, oh. maybe you. 
it's yeah, just yeah. this. And then Raiders, right? You can just yep. go on and on and on and on and on. It's just, I can't. It's I can't. Aliens, Terminator <laughs> Two. You're naming all the stuff that we love. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's. I think it's our generation though too. Yeah, we grew up. It was it changes. Mine of you know RoboCop, great things like that. You know, it it was a gold mine of, of of movie going when you were a kid to just go and it would be just blockbuster hit after blockbuster hit, and it would all be so different from each other. Um, you know, The Goonies. Good lord. Saw yeah. that like 12 uh, times when I, if you're of the right age, stand by me. If you're of the right age, those movies resonated with you. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I remember we had sneak into the, to, to watch Predator because it was, you know, R rated and we snuck in. Yeah. And we yep. got caught and we got kicked out. And so for like months, we, we didn't know how it ended. Back in the day, there's no internet. You couldn't find uh, out. Uh, you had to wait till VHS. VHS. You had to wait a year later. VHS. Yeah. You, you get a bootleg copy from a friend. Right. Right. You get it in Chinatown. No, he was a white kid. I, I grew up in Calgary, which is a very, very white city. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, it was like it was the headbanger in our class. His name was Ed. Really long hair, smoked a lot of drugs. He was like, yeah. And he gave me my first bootleg, and it was Aliens. Aliens. Oh, good, good. That's so a good. Like, oh, yeah. I think, yeah. So, well, I, I, I was a drug dealer. Like, so, anytime we wanted something that wasn't like when somebody's like, uh, you know, our family in Hong Kong is like, I don't want something from New York. Well, we wouldn't get something authentic from New York. We would go to Chinatown and, you know, those street vendors yeah. uh, would get all the shit that was, you know, just a little bit. It's like the, the Star Wars, the, too. Yeah. the Star Wars right. holiday special or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so one, one last thing, Paul, uh, before yeah. we say goodbye. Um, all of our guests, I don't know if you noticed this, but our, our logo is stick figures. Um, yeah. Because I can't draw really well, so I thought it was funny. Like we have a lightsaber from me and um, chainsaw. chainsaw from uh, Evil Dead. Ash versus yeah. Evil Dead. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, so we thought it'd be funny to keep this tradition of giving people stick figures that we get on the show or anybody that we interview. So, what I'm going to do right now is try to do this as smoothly as possible without screwing it up. And this is your stick figure. <laughs> that's awesome um so we, we will be releasing the audio on a, on a podcast so we're going to need you to describe what you what you think you're seeing <laughs> <laughs> it is a, it's a rendering but it uh, does convey the fact that it, it is Appa. he is wearing his plaid uh, shirt with um some glasses, but he is wearing what I believe is a proton pack, and he has the blue lightsaber, and he has a red cape, su- signifying perhaps Superman, and of course, to the side, he has his two CSA awards for best comedic actor. Uh, that is for <laughs> you who do not understand what it is. It is uh, the Canadian version of the Emmys. Yes, and then you notice <laughs> I don't that spot. What's you went French. <laughs> and of course, he has his slippers on, yeah. which are wonderful. And you can tell he has his uh, black his socks, socks on. Black his, socks. Yes. I've always <laughs> wear black socks. I, so I left room there for your for your uh, for your other uh, awards that you'll get soon. Oh, so the red cape is not from Superman. It's actually Super Appa. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> the thing is, he's not in his underwear. If he was in his underwear, then I would have got. Oh, I was right. gonna do that, but I didn't know how like, that uh, would. I didn't know how you would react to that. So I, I love the I, fact I that he doesn't have a hand. It's like no. he's cut secretly. his hand cut off. From, yeah, like we don't have we don't have hands either. So <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, our stick figures don't have hands either. <laughs> They've got more intricate. They're, that's the only thing sticky about them. <laughs> yeah, I used to. If you go, if you go to our Facebook page, if you go and scroll through the uh, stick figure things, you'll see that early on they were terror. Like they were bad, bad. Like they were so simplistic. They were like, bad for stick figures. <laughs> yeah, they were bad for stick figures. And then, like, because I can kind of draw, but not really well, so I can put this amount of detail in a stick figure but right. if you ask me to draw like you know draw the mandalorian in, in real life it would not look good right so <laughs> so as, like they didn't even i don't think i even had color in the first few no you, um stick you, figures you, i did no no nope. now i'm doing all this They're shit it's pretty standard you're, you're evolving nope. you're yeah i'm evolving learning. Yeah. Oh, I even got your uh, I even got your cosplay in there of the uh, Imperial sign uh, medals or whatever there. Oh, snaps. Oh no, I see it. The badge, the 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 rank badge. Yeah, yeah. Cool thing is. Oh, wow! I didn't even see that till now. I have two of those, three now, but uh, one is a major in the Imperial Army, and the other one is like a captain in the Imperial Navy. And I always get them confused because it's either it's three blue bars and two red ones, <laughs> red ones, two blue ones, and I always get them confused. Dave Filoni in one of the pictures was like, "Oh, he's a uh, what's that? One is a major and one is a captain." He's like, "Oh, look, he's a captain in the Imperial Navy, but it's upside down." It's like, "Fuck!" So <laughs> I, that's how good. <laughs> wow! The rank. Wow! Yep. That's, that's like, amazing. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> You're like, I'm not yeah. getting, I'm not getting the job. I'm not getting the job. <laughs> <laughs> I screwed up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's crazy. That's so crazy. And now that I know that, you know, Deborah Chow and Dave Filoni, I'm going to be even more annoying on social media. Persistent. <laughs> I'm going to be even more persistent. I'm going to know. <laughs> if I see you posted on Instagram that you're in London, I, I know you just bailed on me. <laughs> thanks so much for having me on guys this was a blast oh, thank like, you so like, much man yeah God, i'm awesome. sorry i have to run but it's, this is like this is my this is this is my jam i love just meeting and chatting with people about things that i love i think mm-hmm. i've only asked you two questions too from my entire list of questions <laughs> so that's okay i yeah. Good. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Maybe when season five, you know, maybe when yeah. season five premieres or drops. But I think I'll have to wait otherwise because I don't have Canadian channels. <laughs> so I'll have to wait. That's a thing. Well, Netflix and chill. Well, Netflix and chill. Netflix and chill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can rewatch seasons one to four on Netflix. I'm on it for a third <laughs> time, actually. Wow. I'm on season two right now for the fourth time since. Since season four dropped, I've watched it two or three other times. That's amazing. It's 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 reached the <laughs> office level for me because I always have the office playing in the background. Like I'm the type of person if I'm like doing dishes or cooking, I want something in the background. So I'll yeah, just yeah, turn yeah. on the office. Yeah. Well, now Kim's Convenience has replaced that, and I just throw that on into the background. I love hearing that. Thank you there so you much. Go. There you go. Thank you, Paul, very much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, BJ. Thanks, guys. All right.
Hey, right. you. That was a uh, that was a uh, <laughs> that was Chew on this has a has a show or this is Chew. God, God damn it! We got too many <laughs> names. Too many names. This is Chew on this episode two sixty one. Uh, I'm BJ Vic, and we have Appa there, or Mr. Paul. Uh, take care, everyone. Uh, chew on that.